What a bum. Look at the freaking scoreboard. You are not close. You play to win the game. Why can't the New York Jets ever have nice things? You're a Jets fan. You guys have to earn this stuff. You're going to have to suffer through another few years. I don't mean to sound like the get off my lawn guy, but get off my freaking lawn with that. I forgot what it's like to win football games. I mean, you can't make it up with this team. Happy Victory Monday, Jake. Only for you guys would I do this. Only on Gangs All Here. We love it. Welcome back to Gangs All Here, a Jets podcast from the New York Post. It's Jake Brown here alongside Brian Costello. Follow us on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio at Brian Cos. And make sure you subscribe wherever you get podcasts, but give us that five star rating. Write in a nice review. Former Jets safety Eric Coleman is going to join us later on the show. This man's LinkedIn resume is getting close to mine over my 10 years at 80 different companies. He, This guy's got like six jobs and he's does it all does a great job so he'll join us later in the show cause the injuries keep on coming for this football team the latest is Corey davis out for the year his first year of a three-year 37 and a half million dollar deal he only played in nine games 34 492 four touchdowns some drops but really the story was injuries and the whole jets free agent class the story was injuries causing a tough break here for a guy you thought was going to be the number one for this team and never really stood out in his first season. Yeah, I mean, he had the big catch against the Titans, you know, when Zach rolled out and pointed him down the field. But other than that, not much memorable about this year for Corey. You know, he'll be back next year. He's on a three-year contract, so we'll see if they can build up the offense a little bit more and he can have Zach in his second year and have a better year. But really just bad luck. Jake with the free agent signings. Carl Lawson obviously goes down in August. And he and Corey Davis were the two marquee signings, really, in free agency. The one on defense, the one on offense. There's a few others that, you know, LaMarcus Joyner went down in week one. We, we barely even remember him. Tevin Coleman's been in and out of the lineup a little bit. Sheldon Rankin's missed Sunday's game. So it's been tough for the free agent class that Joe Douglas signed this year. I know Corey didn't have the greatest season on the field, but, like, he's a professional. And Lawson is, too. You can tell talking to them that they're going to have a good influence in the locker room. And as the Jets build this thing, they're they're pretty good guys to have around and and help these younger guys through it yeah i mean the whole team injury has been a problem but even some other guys like cole the COVID situation gerard davis has dealt with injury i know he's not a big name but another guy they signed who they expected to be a starting linebacker and be a presence has been injured tyler croft you thought he was going to be a big red zone threat cause and you saw the remnants of it you know in green bay and that preseason game which we might have looked a little too much into because it meant almost nothing after that but tyler croft was supposed to be a red zone guy like you said tevin coleman and then guys who were here too who, who just continue to be hurt and marcus may out for the year i mean when you lose your two starting safeties you lose your premier defensive end you lose a starting linebacker i mean you can't survive that this team didn't have the depth they weren't built on depth to survive these kind of injuries and that's why part of the reason we're seeing a lot of these mistakes. And this is a league where you have to be too deep pretty much at every position if you want to win. And depth was something that wasn't truly addressed because they needed starters. But that's going to be something, Kaz, that this offseason, Joe Douglas, besides getting actual you know impact players, he's going to have to get good backup impact players as well. Yeah, the depth's going to take time, Jake. I mean, he needs to address the starting lineup uh, this, this offseason. I think the depth is maybe the next year or the year after that, like where you start really building and you really build depth, Jake, through the draft. 
you know, that's not signing players. That's really drafting guys in those late rounds to be your depth players. So far, so good with, with this draft class. I think there's some talent there and maybe he's doing it, but he needs to stack a few classes to build, really build the depth of this team. There's a lot of teams dealing with it with injuries I, I just saw uh something espn did that had the you know who's lost the most games by injury and the, like the packers have had a ton of injuries they've been okay and the ravens have had a ton of injuries and they're kind of scuffling right now but they're still in the mix so it, it's it's a process of getting to that point with your roster of where you have the depth to withstand some of these injuries because it happens every year and you know the giants have had a lot of injuries too uh they're another team that's in that category and haven't done as well so yeah it's uh <laughs> you know the jets starters aren't great so they're, they're, they're backups you know you know what to expect from them yeah and it's not been a year in new york football of free coffees on monday morning at dunkin donuts there's been very limited supply of celebratory mondays it was funny though on tuesday hearts told me i guess there was the the bing bong uh parlay you could have where the knicks nets islanders and rangers all win and they did so shout out to your your bing bong picks but unfortunately the jets and giants weren't included in that but another injury is makai beckton he's out in week one he's supposed to be out four to six weeks here we are i've lost Jack. what are we in week 14 now yeah, yeah what's I mean, happening with him will he return because he's, he's been <laughs> tweeting that he, he's on his way or one of his teammates is tweeting you know he's coming when is he coming i haven't seen him. yeah i haven't seen him on the field jake thanksgiving day i saw him running was he running he was, he was working with trainers on the field doing some stuff i haven't seen him since solace said last week he was going to do some field work but that you know that could be when we're not out there he's doing stuff but he hasn't been in practice jake and like this is a guy who's a very large man now playing on a leg injury he's going to need like a few weeks of practice before he even considers playing in a game so five weeks left if he's not out there this week you're starting to wonder is he going to be back this year is there a point where the jets say it's not worth it rolling him out there for one game or two games i think Salah will have more to say on it uh later today jake we're, we're recording this wednesday morning but those timelines jake that they give those are never very accurate yeah i mean he quote tweeted a fan saying no doubt no matter if it's the last game i'm coming back he said yeah, it's hey, not his decision to... now <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah they're gonna yeah. play this play this pretty safe since these yeah. games don't matter but i mean there's no doubt he wants to be back so but it's not up to him it's really up to the doctors and the coaches and the front like, office in this case too i like his tweet on december 3rd mfers forgot who i am say less and it's a gif of the bet button that's yeah. being hit so some of you guys need to just put the phone down right like say less <laughs> That's exactly what you should do, Makai. Just stop <laughs> tweeting, right? Like sick burn cause. Oh man. I mean, <laughs> these guys drive me crazy with Twitter. Like it's just shut up. Come back when you're ready to come back and play. Yeah, no, I'm I think it it could be a little much. Uh let's see. I mean, four to six week injury and you're saying say less after twelve weeks. I mean, I mean, we we will say less because there's been nothing to say. We haven't seen you on the field. So definitely uh say less indeed. And then the Kicker saga continues. Yes, uh, were you excited, Jake? Eddie, Pan- uh, you have your Eddie Pinero jersey ready for Sunday. I, I, I gotta find it in in my closet somewhere. See if I can find the Pinero. What number is? It? I don't even know. Who cares? I'm not sure. I haven't seen him yet. <laughs> He'll be off the team by by Sunday night, anyways. I mean, who who cares? And Matt Amendola's back to the practice squad. So Pinero sucks. Amendola's back. How is this not an SNL skit? The Jets kicker situation. Nick Folk made two field goals in. 150 mile hour winds in Buffalo. I mean, a monsoon. He's 90% this year. I didn't even realize when I tweeted about that that Folk was with us until 2016. I don't know why I thought it was earlier, but he was here a while and they just let him go. Jason Myers, let him go. It brings you back to even Chandler Cannon. Zero wasn't a terrible option. Myers, the great year, Pro Bowl 2018. 
you gotta put money and invest into a right kicker when you have it i know it's not affecting this team now but if there were some more borderline closed games it's affecting a season Yes, there's there's a little revisionist history going on, and I've been part of it too with Folk. They cut Folk for salary cap reasons in 17, right, when they were tearing things down. If you look at Folk's trajectory after that, he went to Tampa Bay. He got cut by Tampa Bay in the middle of the season. He was not kicking well. I, I believe Folk had injury issues at that point. can't remember exactly what. He was out of the league in 2018, Jake. It was on the Arizona Hot Shots or whatever they were in the AAF. Then he signed with New England in 19... 19- after Mike Nugent, another former Jets kicker, wasn't wasn't doing well in New England or got hurt. I don't know what it was. They signed him in 19, and he's played well since then for New England. So it's not like it's been a straight shot. He's been great since 2016. They let him go. Like Tampa Bay cut him, which Tampa Bay was having major kicker issues at that time, and he was in the AAF for a while. Jason Myers, you know, someone told me last week that Myers took less money to go to Seattle. The Jets tried to sign him. They were trying and trying. Myers had been in Seattle, got cut by Seattle. That's when he came to the Jets. He preferred Seattle. He wanted to go back to Seattle. So I don't know if I fully believe that. Could the Jets have gotten it done if they, they threw a lot more money at him? You know, maybe. But someone told me they took less money to go there. Catanzaro, they tried to re-sign. And Catanzaro told him he wanted to kick in a warm weather city. And he, I think he went to Tampa Bay after that. He did not want to stay in the cold weather. So, yes, the kicker situation has been a mess. But I don't think it's just complete incompetence by the Jets. I think they've had some some guys who didn't want to be here. And, you know, I think Joe Douglas, is that you talk about all the positions he has to address this offseason. Free agent, he better find a kicker in free agency. They can't just keep rolling guys through here that are cross your fingers and hope they're going to develop because uh, it's not working. I like need to bring incoming kickers or free agent to a story and take them out to eat or something. Are they taking them around the swamps? Like these guys are like, it's cold. I don't want to be here. We got to give them a grand tour. Do you take them to a strip club? Something. We got to get well, them been here. to stay here. Some of those guys have been here. They played here. Like it's, So it's not like they're just coming in for a weekend. It's cold. Jake, it's cold here, right? It's cold right now. I don't want to go outside. Do you want to kick today? You want to go outside and kick 20 times or whatever? Like, I mean, uh, me and my roommates were discussing getting cookies last night, going on a 15-minute walk for chip cookies, and it was too cold to even go get cookies. So uh, oh it was too you know cold, it's cold to walk. Jake's not going to get cookies, Andrew. <laughs> What kind of cookies yeah. are these? It's a chip. You, you have to look it up. They have like different flavors every day. You know, the huge cookie. It's like a $4 cookie because it's it's that big. Next time I see you, I'll, I'll bring you one. I owe you like three dinners for three Jets wins anyway. So I'll, I'll bring yeah, cookies. We haven't seen well. each other since the day before lockdown began, Jake. So I know. We were doing fist pounds and no mat. I don't know what we were doing. <laughs> we weren't shaking hands then either. But life is getting uh, somewhat normal. I shouldn't, you know, but we'll see. But anyways, Nick Folk, yes. 14 to 7. The only three misses he's had this year have been from 50 plus yeah, so he's made everything shorter uh he's gonna oh, make no. the pro bowl he's 92 percent. he's been fantastic yep. here's where they screwed up with nick folk jake there was a point oh, i'd have to really look at this when it was but maybe 2019 the summer of 2019 remember cat and zero came back and he missed some kicks and then he like the next day he retired he just he quit <laughs> And they were like going through like a bunch of kickers, trying to find a kicker. Then Folk was on the street. Then he was not in the Patriots yet, and he wanted to come back to the Jets. Like I know he wanted to come back to the Jets, and they showed no interest. Then he went to the Patriots, and he's on the run. So if you want to like kill them about Nick Folk, that's when you kill them. Is 2019? They should have brought him back. 
Yeah, I mean, or the re-sign him after 16, whatever happened there. But, I mean, that's the headline of the show, dissecting the Jets kicker drama (laughs) featuring Eric Coleman. Eric Coleman is going to join us in a few minutes. But Saints, Jets, it'll be Eddie Pinheiro kicking them into whatever. Let's see, with the the weather Sunday, it's going to be 51 sunny. Again, a game I question going and then realize uh, I'm not going to go. So (laughs) 1 p.m., Andrew Catalan and James Law. Andrew Catalan gets the call for, like, every uh, Jets game. the official Jets. uh, announcer now and the saints are five and a half point favorites jets underdogs 25 straight games cause i i still don't know what mallet finger i don't know it could be mallet i don't know if mallet is french quarterback was ryan mallet right at one point yeah. a backup quarterback so we'll, we'll call it the mallet finger injury because uh wow. we like escargot here on gangs all here and we we drink with our pinky out break this game down and make your pick i don't freaking know jake I, how you predict these games now i mean the, the jets i thought the jets defense made some strides and then they looked like crap sunday against the eagles and gardner Minshew. i don't know what to think about the saints with Taysom hill playing you know injured or is it going to be trevor simeon i, I think it's going to be Taysom hill uh, but i don't think they've said that for sure yet sounds like kamara is going to be back but he missed some time i keep thinking jake that the jets are going to put it to all together one of these these weeks and have a really really good game like sort like what they did against the Bengals with Mike White that day like they had one there I still think they have another one of those in them so I'm gonna roll the dice Jake I'm gonna go Jets 31 Saints 17 let's go <laughs> right oh, I went and Jake, the presses folks and my picks last week in the paper I went 12 and 2 picking games but the one of the two I was wrong was the Jets so wow 12 and 2 that's impressive worth. you should have put some wagers on that. i should have uh, but well if you saw my other picks for the rest of the year you would have said you'd be crazy to put the wagers on it so that's true it's been a it's tough it's tough making picks especially against the spread but wow 31 17 not only a win a two touchdown big win. win big win they they look great and everyone's talking oh maybe they can make a playoff run after this game no oh, maybe not play. maybe not <laughs> Maybe in the NFC with the you know for that seventh seed could be a, a seven and ten team. The Jets yeah. uh, are three and nine. Maybe they they finish eight and nine. Five. I would love a five game win streak to close the year. Oh, they're not no being the, Bucks the draft the picks, but yeah, they're, they're not, not being the Bucks and the Bills. So it'd be fun. If, how about a three game win streak over the Saints? Dolphins and Jaguars would you take that yeah and like I said in the last show it's still so much of this yeah we want to play better but lose for draft picks I'm at the point where I just want to win I I don't care about the draft pick you're still gonna get Seattle's pick you know they'll find a way to mess up their four and fifth pick they'll probably still get a cornerback if they go nine or ten so I'd like to see wins and see them progress. Uh, I'm done with the. I mean, I'll change my mind if they if they lose the next three and the last two. I'll be like, yes, just lose these. But right now, I want to win the next couple. And I was going to take the Saints, but Kaz has inspired me to flip the coin and take the Jets because that is so rare. He does it by two touchdowns. I'm not that enthusiastic to say that. I think Taysom Hill's going to have a good day running. But with that Malay finger injury, Taysom Hill stinks. With, yeah, but he'll run. And with the Malay, uh, bonjour, monsieur, chocolate bleu, he will not throw as well with the Malay. So you I think, think he's going to run be- on this defense, Jake? I mean, I could run on this defense. I might go for a run after your prediction. I'm so pumped up. I might go for a run in Astoria. Let's see what the temperature is. It's 40 degrees. Ah, that's summertime here in New York. I'm going to say 23-20. The Jets win by a field goal. And Eddie Pinheiro wins the game. Eddie P wins the game. Move over, Eddie Coleman. Eddie C's gone. It's Eddie P's town now. Eddie Pinheiro kicks the Jets to their fourth victory, and Zach wow. Wilson celebrates. Robert Sala celebrates. 
and we have a victory edition of gangs all here on monday there it is there's jet saints now we see if cause can have a victory edition uh, stump the cause and these questions courtesy of the intern cameron he's there couldn't be on the recording because i guess he has class i don't know what, the, what that is i mean he should be skipping class for gangs all here some some intern you are uh, i'm just kidding uh the first question here is the new york titans became the jets oh here we go due to their proximity to which airport laguardia one for one which was it laguardia at that point or was it was fair, it still uh he says LaGuardia, so I don't yeah. know if they had a different okay. name back then. That, uh, LaGuardia, I don't know what year they renamed it LaGuardia, but yeah, it was LaGuardia. I wonder what it was before LaGuardia. It was, uh, God, I know. Andrew, can you, Andrew will look that up while we yeah, get Yeah, I know what it was. So, yeah. I hope it was something cool. Who became the first running back in New York Jets history to break the 1,000-yard barrier? I want to say I'm thinking Snell. I'm thinking Boozer. I'm thinking uh, Riggins. Five, four, three, two, one. Boozer. John Riggins is the uh, answer. I said Riggins. Wow. Uh, Cameron has stumped you. You're one for two. Do we have the airport name, Hearts? What is what is the airport? Well, it's it's been renamed a few times, actually. But the prior name for LaGuardia was Municipal Airport 2. That is so boring. What Municipal. was it before that? It was Glen H. Curtis Airport. And then before that, it was North Beach Airport. Oh, okay. oh my God! Laguardia makes those look like chumps. Like Laguardia is great. Although I could use a name, I like name changes. So we'll see what Laguardia becomes next after all these renovations they're doing and and men stealing my uh, suitcases. How how many wins did Rich Kotite tally during his two years as New York Jets head coach? Four. Correct. All right, two two for three now. Four and twenty eight in two years. Yeah, uh, brutal. Number four. How many games did the Jets win in Pete Carroll's one year as head coach? God, I I take six. Six back in two thousand back in nineteen ninety four. There you go. All right, he's three for four. Let's see if he could Eddie Pinheiro this extra point here. Which player holds the franchise record for most interceptions in a career? Most interceptions in a career. Now I think you'd probably say Revis, but you'd be wrong. I'm not gonna say Revis. This is a uh, tough one. I've never heard of this guy. It's I'll a tough a one. He, he's from the '60s. I don't know if you're gonna know him. This is one of those like New York Titans questions. Ah, <laughs> uh, so he, there's interns throwing me one of those, huh? Yeah. From the '60s. You're gonna have to do stump the intern on Syracuse questions next week. <laughs> is it uh, Baird? Wow, he got it. It's Bill Baird. Wow, that is. I don't even know how you know who that is. I don't know who that is. <laughs> Bill yeah, Baird. Safety, you got any Bill yeah. Baird details? You know his height, weight, <laughs> college? I don't. I don't. I I know. I I think Revis is like third on the list or something like that. I remember I looked, I've looked it up for Revis before. So you've wrote about Bear. That's probably. I wrote about Revis because like, Revis's Hall of Fame case is very interesting. And like when he's – is he eligible yet? He's got to be close now. It's going to be an interesting debate, right? Because, like, your, your perception of Revis is greatness, but the numbers don't necessarily reflect that. And, you know, that's probably because people didn't throw his way a lot and stuff, but Revis doesn't have a crazy amount of interceptions, and I'm curious how that goes for him when he's in the Hall of Fame debate. So I, I know I remember Bill Baird was ahead of him. Yeah, that's a tough stat. How's is correct. It's Baird, and then it's Saynard Paulson, and then Venus. Right. Saynard Paulson. Oh, good friend of the program. Four for five for Kyle. I, I thought Riggins. Time. I should have said Riggins. I, I talked myself out of Riggins. Yeah. Uh, well, 
you had him in the uh if it was multiple choice yeah i was going yeah your countdown put the pressure on me (laughs) so all right four for five not a bad day well coming up next on gangs all here it's friend of the program former jet safety eric coleman this is eric coleman former jet safety and you're listening to gangs all here all right, joining us now on Gangs All Here is a friend of the program, former Jet Safety from 2004 to 2007, and you can now see him on all sorts of platforms. He's the host of the Betting Exchange on MSG Networks, 5.30 to 6 p.m. on weekdays with him, Katie Mox, and Jeff Johnson as you guys discuss the betting angles for those evenings games and the weekend football games. He does Jets pre- and post-game on their social channels as well as Jets late night on CBS. That would be Eric Coleman. Eric, welcome back. Jake Brown, Brian Costello. Do you have like a Google calendar like that tells you which job you're going to in the next hour? <laughs> yeah, how you guys doing? Yeah, it's rough. It's rough. You know, I have my wife helps me out. I definitely use my Google alerts and uh, and try to make sure I stay on top of everything. On the betting show, Eric, do you just say uh, bet against the Jets every week? Is that that kind of a standard advice for people or what? Oh man, well, you know what? That's that's the cool thing about sports betting is there's a bunch of different ways to do it. There's prop bets. You can bet on somebody gaining this many yards. But I'll tell you the one team uh for the first part of the season that held me down was Buffalo. They they were the ones that I leaned on quite a bit. Five and a half this week for the Saints. The Jets have been underdogs twenty five straight games. Do you have your pick ready for Sundays? The Jets or Saints? Man, you know what? That this is a, that's a tough one because the the quarterback situation with the Saints uh, you don't know what you're going to get. I don't know how, uh, you know, Taysom Hill's finger is doing. Uh, Trevor Simeon has, you know, hasn't been the quarterback they wanted uh, him to be. But and then, you know, nothing is really not much has worked out for the Jets con- on a consistent basis either. So um, it's, it's a tough one to call. And then some of those games, some it might be one. I'm going to I'm going to research it, but it might be one of those games that I just have to walk away from. Yeah, it's uh, I just saw Alvin Kamara is, is expected to play. So that will that will help the Saints out a little bit, no matter who's at quarterback. Eric, when you look at this Jets defense and, you know, it looked like they kind of had taken a step forward against the Dolphins and the Texans, but maybe that was just because they were playing the Dolphins and the Texans. Big step backward against the Eagles. Just curious, you know, if you've ever been on a unit that was struggling like this and just kind of how how helpless a feeling it is when you're just searching for answers. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's really tough, you know, and it's, and it's very frustrating when when your defense isn't playing up to the standard that you have created. You know, uh, for the Jets, sometimes you get the D-line just playing dominant. You know, they're, they're getting quarterback pressures, they're getting tackles for losses, and then other times teams are running downhill you know all day on them so it's tough you know it's a young team and sometimes when you're young get out schemed you get out leverage there's certain things that you're you're doing and when you get behind the eight ball like the jets are right now everybody's searching and trying to make plays and sometimes you force it and when you force plays that's when you actually give up plays because you you go outside of, of the design of the defense so you know it's a, it's a growing time for the jets i think that if they continue to get better and learn from their mistakes and continue to grow, especially with the young secondary. You know, it's going to make them uh, better. They're going to they're going to get stronger for it. You add some weapons to that, and you have a ton of experience. You have some young players who you can keep for the long haul and uh, and continue to grow. But Eric, you have to watch this as a guy who played in that uniform on that defense. And none of us have hair, so we have non-existent hair to pull out. But you got to like scratch your head and say, what the hell happened here? What happened here? Do you dissect it when you watch as a as a former defensive player and say, I would have done this, or this wasn't the right scheme? You have to look at that when you see some of these young guys 
make the mistakes that they have. Yeah, you know, um, and that's the frustrating part. You know, I, I think last week it was, was it Dallas Goddard, the tight end for the Eagles? He caught a 25-yard touchdown, and I go back and look at the coverage, and it's like it's man-to-man coverage. There's a running back outside, a tight end in the slot. They motion down to a stack, and you and you have both corners in a press position. And at no time when they're in a stack can a court, can they be both in press because they're going to get picked. And that's exactly what happened. You have a tight end running wide open down the field against one of the fastest guys in the NFL. And you're wondering, how did he get so open? And it's because it wasn't because of the lack of skill, lack of talent. It was the, the mental part of the game that they didn't think about communicating when he motioned down one guy playing off. Maybe we should combo that coverage and in those kind of things that aren't getting talked about. And when you get beat on plays like that, that's frustrating to watch. You know, the other stuff, like sometimes teams are just going to be better than you, but when you beat yourself and, and it's small things that you learned back in training camp, that's what's frustrating watching it as a former player. Eric, when Jets go through something like this, any team goes through, through this, the, there's always a question, how much is players, how much is coaching? And fans like Jake here love to blame the coaches for everything. I tend to look at it and say they don't have enough good players out there. Uh, when you're looking at this defense right now, how much do you think is scheme problem and how much do you think is just talent problem? Uh, you know, it's, it's it's a nice little combination, you know, because like to, to, to back Jake, you know, they used to say you're either coaching it or you're allowing it to happen, you know, but that only goes so far. And when you're missing so many talented players, you don't have uh, you can ask a guy, you know, to contain on, on this outside run. And if he doesn't have the physical capability to do it, then it's just not going to get done. It's going to break down the integrity of your defense. And then everyone else's job is, you know, they don't understand what they're doing because they were counting on this one guy to contain. And then the defense is based off that. And if you don't have that guy, you just don't have it. And so everyone's trying to make up for it. They're trying to you know, go behind blocks. They're trying to make plays. And it just breaks everything down. So I think it's a combination of, of scheme at some point, some, sometimes. But a lot of it is the lack of talent. Eric, I was curious that you're in Atlanta with Matt Ryan as a rookie. What is that like for the veteran players when you're dealing with a rookie quarterback and everything that goes through it? Now, you guys had success. The, that year is the year that ruined rookie quarterbacks because Matt Ryan and Joe Flacco both both had a lot of success. And then all of a sudden, everybody said, all right, everyone should just play right away. But what, what's it like just kind of living with the ups and downs of, of a rookie quarterback? You know what? It's, it's definitely a challenge. Uh, but you go into the season with an understanding of, listen, this guy's a rookie. I don't care how good he is. There are going to be times where, as a defense, we have to help them. We have to help the offense. We have to carry them. Uh, so what you focus on, you focus less on what the quarterback's doing and what the offense is doing, and you focus more on yourself. And you're more critical of yourself. And you try to – sometimes you try to do too much. Sometimes you try to make too many plays. Uh, but at the same time – you have to hold each other accountable and handle what you can control. And that's the defense. You know, that's all I try to worry about. You try to have grace with that young quarterback and not point fingers and do all those things because they do nothing but break down your team. What do you think of Zach Wilson? A lot of a few ups, more downs injuries what, what's your evaluation of him so far you know i i think zach is is a very talented quarterback you know he, he has great arm strength he's uh i love his composure out there he doesn't seem to get rattled i i think that one thing that that he does is he just he wants to win so bad he wants to make the play so bad and sometimes in the nfl it's like you have to you have to work towards that you have to deacon dunk you have to hit the the tight end that's going in the flat you have to take 
little, little you have to take small wins before you can start getting the big ones. And I think he's learning that, but I ultimately think he is getting better every week. Eric, I'm curious with, with Robert Sala, you know, he's trying to establish a program here. And I think, I think the players like his message, you know, from what I, what I can tell, I think they like him, but at some point you got to win to, to kind of convince players that, that what you're doing is working. Just going back for your experience when Mangini came in, because I remember that was a culture shock for everyone from Herm to Mangini. He, he probably wasn't as well liked as Robert Sala when he got here. But was there a point where you kind of felt like everyone bought into Mangini and, and kind of believed in what he was what he was selling, so to speak? Yeah, there, there was. There was. And, and, and definitely winning helps. It helps um, kind of cement that message uh, when you start winning games and you start seeing how you know, the things that you prepared for play out on the field. And and that was one thing about Mangini that, you know, he always prepared us. We were great in situational football. You know, we understood that, you know, in third down and five, these are the routes or, you know, and when they're, when they get the ball after a turnover around midfield, they're probably going to take a shot, you know, and, and it was all these little situations that we would go through in practice that started to pay off as we went through the season. And we eventually all bought in. Now um, there were some other things that probably broke down our team, you know, that following year, uh, maybe personality things, whatever it may be. But ultimately, we were together and we did buy in to that message. And I think that Coach Sala and the players uh, on the Jets right now are buying in to what to what he's preaching. You know, they're playing hard, they're playing fast. It just you need playmakers. You need some people to step up and make plays and they're seeing them. You know, you see Quincy Williams, he's shining. You know, he's all over the place. Um, you know, you see, you saw John Franklin Myers, he's starting to shine. Bryce Hall, I, I think he's been playing some really good football all season. And, uh, you know, the guys are starting to grow. I mean, you guys are starting to show. And as you continue to grow and uh, gain, bring in more talent next year, there's a draft, there's free agency, you get guys healthy. I think it's just going to continue to get better. Do you ever look back and think, you know, now the Jets are having all these kicker problems while Nick Folk is making field goals in a monsoon? You guys didn't necessarily have problems, but you had one big miss kick. And do you ever look back to Doug Bryan's miss kick in the 2005 playoffs in Pittsburgh and think maybe that's the team that goes to the Super Bowl, ends the Jets' curse, and they either win or make a Super Bowl? Do you ever have like nightmares or dreams about that when you <laughs> go to sleep at night? No, you know, you know what's so funny about that is that was my rookie year. And you know, coming from college, you're like, I, I remember thinking at that moment, like when he missed the, the field goal in overtime and everybody was mad and crying and, you know, throwing stuff in the locker room. I'm like, oh, it's all good. We'll be back next year. You know, I thought it was like college where, you know, we got some seniors coming back or some juniors <laughs> coming back. Famous last words, in. Eric. Famous oh, last man. words. Man, I, I learned that lesson quick. You know, the next year, I think we won four games. And then now Herm is gone. The whole thing is blown up. And and so uh, I do think back to that game. Uh, but, you know, like on, on a football level, you think back to, yes, he could have made that kick, but you think back to things that you could have done better as well. Like, man, maybe if I would have, you know, made this play on third down, we would have got off the field and the game would have changed. So you know, I, I think that uh, the, the, the field goal situation is something that's frustrating for everyone involved with the Jets organization right now. You, you had a, a kicker who you thought you could believe in, change him. He comes in and misses the first two extra points. Uh, it's frustrating to have to even talk about that, you know, as a coach. That's something that you should, you know, extra points, you know, the small field goals, those things should be gimmies. You should be worried about other things besides what a kicker's doing. Can you kick, Eric? I mean, <laughs> no, no, I cannot kick. No? Okay. I thought, I thought maybe you could give it a try. At least you can't be any worse than what they're trying out there right now. I definitely go out there and miss two, two extra points. <laughs> yeah, you missed two extra points. <laughs> Eric, you went to Detroit late in your career. 
And I, I feel like that's a team that's was sort of in a similar situation as the Jets. Like they, they've been down. I'm just curious, like, what's it like when you get to a place that just has no kind of tradition at, at the moment? And no, because I feel like that's where the Jets are right now. Like CJ Mosley after the game talked about respect and they don't get respect. And when I talk to guys who come from Pittsburgh or come from New England or come from Baltimore, like CJ, it's sort of handed down in those places. You know, the older players teach the younger players what it means to be part of that organization. That doesn't exist with the Jets. And it hasn't in about eight or nine years, you know, since since that run with Rex. Figuring Detroit was probably like that. You know, what's it like when you're trying to just establish that standard with the team? You know, when I got to Detroit, you could definitely feel the difference. You know, when I came you know, with the Jets, it was, you know, Curtis Martin, Wayne Corbett, uh, Sean Ellis, and Chad, all these guys who were who were do, used to doing things the right way. And then you kind of go through your career. And I ended up in Detroit. And I remember thinking like, man, the culture here is crazy right now. You know, and, and that's what, I think that's one of the reasons why they brought me in. They brought, um, you know, some of the veterans that they brought in because we had experience in the playoffs. We had experience coming from winning programs and you have to break down the younger guys because sometimes the younger guys get they get comfortable. This is acceptable. Like, no, this is not acceptable. I remember when Ty Law came to the Jets and I came to the facility. It was like 630 in the morning. I was one of the first ones there. And I see this guy running in a sweatsuit. And I'm like, I didn't really pay it any mind. I go get dressed to go in the weight room. And then I see Ty come in and he's sweating. I'm like, Ty, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, yeah, I just ran six miles, you know, before practice. And I said, okay, I don't know why you did that, but, you know, good on you. And then we got out to practice. And during practice, we would do um, seven on seven and then team drill. And while the offense is, offense is up, Ty would start running gassers. He's running gassers. And I'm like, Ty, what are you doing? He's like, I'm, I'm running gassers. I just started running with him. I, I ran with him, and then I asked him, why is he doing it? And he says, I'm not doing this for now. I'm doing this for January and December because when that's when everybody's body starts to break down, and that's when I'm going to be playing at a high level. He said, you have to practice tired and put your body through this now so that you're in shape later in the season. And I'm like, okay, so that's what you guys did in New England. That's what helped you guys make it through all those playoff runs. Everybody was in great shape. And when everyone else is breaking down, making mental mistakes, you guys are sharp because you've been training for this the whole year. And it's things like that, players like that coming into the program that have to change the culture. That's why I like when CJ stepped up. You know, he called everybody out. This is not the way that it goes. We need to change the culture. We need teams to respect us. And we have to earn that respect by going out there and playing hard. I was going to say, I'll prepare for that as a fan for the playoffs, but I haven't had to worry about that the last decade. Since I've been a legal drinker, I'm 30. You know, Jets haven't made it since 11th, so 20 years old. So the last time the Jets made the playoffs, Eric, I was not able to drink legally. Um, So no uh, sprints or anything. Jake drinks extra in August to prepare for January, (laughs) Eric, for one more year when the Jets make it. There we go. a little bit more. The extra black cherry white claws are flowing in the, in the hot dog <laughs> days of summer in August. Uh, during two-a-days, it's more like two, two drink-a-days. Eric, you're now in the betting world, host of the Betting Exchange and MSG Network. How did this all transpire? I never saw you as a betting guy, but I guess it's taken over the world. You saw it in every ad in front of your face, and you're like, let me hop in on the bandwagon. Yeah, well, you know, it, it's funny because when I when I first started, when I first auditioned you know, for the, for the, the space, I didn't, I told him I didn't really know much about sports betting. You know, as a player, you're not really focused on, you know, on what the odds are. You're not focused on, you know, who's the favorite, what's the money line, what's the spread, all these different things. So I didn't know these terms. And so I, I auditioned and they told me, they said, I'm less concerned about your, your picks. 
I'm more concerned about, about your why. And that's my job to give the insight as a professional athlete as to why. You know, it's it's December. You're playing in Buffalo. The wind is 40 miles an hour. Well, how is this going to impact the game? And I give my perspective based on a player. We have sports betting experts that give their expertise on the on the lines and on the players who are who are in and out and what they're doing. And I, I just give my input as a player. And so that's where I bring the value to the show. Um, I love it. It's, it's really helped me grow as an analyst because I now I'm paying attention to every game. I'm paying attention to the small details. Why is this line uh, four points rather than one? You know, and, and it's really interesting. And there it is, MSG Network, the betting exchange. And, you know, we're, we're what, six weeks away from it being legal here in New York. So you could do it on your phone. So Eric out on Long Island could finally go on FanDuel or DraftKings and and make your bets. And I, I assume you will be, Eric. Yeah, instead of going to Jersey to have to make my bets, I, I could do it from home. So Yeah, that is true. You do go to the games, so you have access there. But then you can't cash out until you're back in Jersey. Exactly. And for me, I don't frequent Jersey enough. So when I make a bet, I, you know, the money's just sitting there for like four months until I'm back in Jersey oh, doing oh, so, something oh, so else. You, so you're picking winners. So you're making money, huh? I, I, usually not. <laughs> <laughs> I had a good weeks one through eight. After that, it's been a, a big downhill turn for the worst. Eric Coleman, you can follow him on Twitter at Instagram at Eric Coleman. Check out the betting exchange on MSG from 536 with him, Katie Mox, and Jeff Johnson. Late night Jets on CBS and the Jets pre and post game on their social channels. Eric Next time we talk to you, we'll see if you have eight more jobs, and uh, we'll plug those as well. Thanks for coming on. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a great one. Oh, my God. (laughs) Bing bong. That says adios to episode 90, the Dennis Bird edition of Gangs All Here, our Jets podcast from the New York Post. I don't know why, but bing bong has not gotten old for me yet. Now just the Knicks won Tuesday. Start winning some more games, so bing bong could stick with the team because since bing bong started the team has been awful at the garden thanks to andrew hartz and the intern cameron he's there for helping me produce the show and helping me stump the cause hartz uh you had a moray yesterday for the first time everyone knows i've tweeted about it i rave about it you can confirm to our gangs all your listeners and to fans of the show or me or whoever that amore is iconic jake you hype it up on social media all the time so to finally have it let me tell you what, that was a perfect New York slice of pizza. No need for, for extra toppings, no need for extra big cheese or anything like that. The sauce is perfect, the crust is perfect, the cheese, it's a perfect New York slice, Jake. So you're a true New Yorker, you understand. People are like, oh, someone replied to my story said, bro, you're from Connecticut, you know, you should know good pizza. I'm like, stop it! I know the New Haven, the Pepe's, I get it. Amore is in a league of its own. I don't want to hear people saying Connecticut. And I lived in Trumbull, where it was like Giovi's. I was eating cardboard and Domino's. Like, it's not like I was in the pizza capital of Connecticut in Trumbull. Um, and even New Haven. I don't. I know people love New Haven. Haven. Have Amore. Everyone who sends me, who replied to me with recommendations, have Amore and then get back to me. That's when I care about your opinion. Till then, don't care. Because I'm right. Because I'm fat and I know pizza. If you have to put something on top of the pizza, then then you know that the regular slice isn't good enough. That's the way I look at it. You know, if you gotta throw, you know, chicken or you gotta throw and and again, don't get me wrong. I, I I'll, I'll take a pepperoni slice or you know a uh, big ziti slice every now and then. But if you want just a regular plain slice of pizza, Maury's man definitely holds up. I've been going to Maury's since I came out the womb. I've gotten pepperoni you could count on one hand. I only I get cheese. I mean, any place where you just have to get a cheese slice, everyone's like, you got no toppings? What? You're a cereal killer. No, I just eat good pizza. You don't. So, obviously, I'm fired up about this topic, but, like, 
A true great slice is defined by it without any other material on it. It's by cheese, crust, sauce, delivery. If it's burnt, soft. We got a perfect fresh out of the pie slices yesterday. And you know it's good when it's cash only. Because they're doing shady business, but they're making great pizza in honor of that shady business. Shout out to my guys at Amore. Give us a five-star rating. Give Amore a five-star rating, too. On Apple Podcasts, please, we appreciate your support. Jake Brown Radio, Brian Cos. Hit us on Twitter. Hit us with your questions and anything. We'll we'll answer them on, on the next show. For Brian Costello, I'm Jake Brown. We'll be back on Monday following the Jets matchup with the Saints at MetLife that me and Kaz are predicting a Jets victory. How about that? Enjoy the game, folks, and thanks for listening.